You're listening to Your Recovered Life Series, True Stories from the Future, with your host, Courtney Webster. Hi, I'm Courtney Webster, and this is Your Recovered Life, and today I'm so happy to be joined by Greg Williams. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll get right to it. Greg Williams is a person in long-term recovery from alcohol and other drugs since age 17. He is a health policy advocate, a documentary filmmaker who specializes in the creation of compelling and purposeful content. At age 29, The Anonymous People is Greg's first independent full-length film, feature-length film. His new film is bringing lasting solutions to the screen for one of America's top health problems. The Anonymous People is a film about the over 23 million Americans living in long-term recovery from alcohol and other drug addictions. And I'm really happy you're here to talk about you know, finding your thing, finding that thing that lights you up and telling me all about what you're up to. So thanks. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Cool. You're welcome. Um, let's jump into it. What uh, Do you feel like you found your calling? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, since I got into recovery, I, I, I found um, sort of a sense of purpose and trying to help other people. And that's that's sort of evolved over over time but in my act of addiction I definitely was um, hopeless and purposeless and lost and and recovery helped me to figure out who I am and what I'm about and um, you know I certainly through the process of my recovery have learned that standing up for others and standing up for what I believe in um, and telling powerful stories of hope and change and possibilities is is something that um, you can't put a price tag on cool Cool. So what, how did you, um, so you found your calling, so you got, you got, uh, into recovery and did you feel like, now I know what I want to do with my life? Like, what was, what was that like? Well, I mean, I always, even in high school, in my active addiction, I always liked the power of video in, in that medium of storytelling. Um, and I think when I got into recovery, I ended up in college and I, was into media production and studying that. Um, and you know, I sort of took a couple classes and I, and I fell into documentary, uh, storytelling because I really felt like it was real. And, you know, I, I, um, I just thought there was a lot of power in in true stories. And, um, so I, I got passionate about documentary storytelling and, and one of the documentary classes I was in, they said, you know, you have to make a short film and, and, you know, it, it often works well if you find a charismatic subject. And one of my friends who was like 16 and, or got, he was like 21 and got sober when he was 16. You know, I profiled him and like, it was, it was a really powerful short film about his recovery and childhood abuse and all these things. And, and my, you know, my instructor loved it. And he was like, how did you, you know, get this guy to talk about this stuff and, and, and the way we shot it and the whole thing. And, and it really started to grab hold for me, on, on the power and the need for for the recovery story to get out there, because I think a lot of people have heard the addiction story, and I think a lot of people know what that story is, and the power in redemption stories is is, is amazing. I mean, we love good redemption stories, and so I started pitching reality television around young people in recovery and and all of that stuff, and it it never really sort of panned out that way, but long story short, I. I uh, I went on a long journey over seven eight years in the media world that, that kind of brought me to to this particular film project and but it was all centered on on the idea of 
putting a face and voice in recovery and, and putting the recovery story out there because the general public and, and people outside of the recovery community don't know that recovery is possible. So does that feel kind of like your mission? It, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, it's my mission. I, I mean, I think that it's, uh, it's a sense of purpose. I mean, I am blessed and grateful that I was given another shot at life. I mean, I should be dead. And, and I felt like I was given the opportunity to go to school and learn these tools and, and have some skills and some instincts around storytelling. And I, my personal experience aligning with my passion for recovery um, and these opportunities I was given, I, I felt like, you know, it's definitely, it's my sense of duty. I mean, I feel like as a recovering person, like it's my duty to, to not pass up um, helping the next person in, in whatever way, shape, or form that comes in. And for me, uh, doing that through the visual medium uh, definitely seems like a calling and my duty and passion altogether. Cool. So did it, did it feel like, because when I got sober, I, you know, I, I, I was working in TV production and I felt like, mm, this is not my calling. <laughs> and, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. And I felt like I should have that burning passion. And I felt, I felt, talk about shame. I actually felt shame about not having a calling or knowing what it was. Cause actually I did feel like I had a calling, but I didn't know what it was. And I felt silly, stupid, wrong, ashamed for not knowing what it was because I looked around at me because yes, I had gotten this second shot at this amazing life and I had this amazing life and I felt like there was something else but I didn't know what it was. I felt like I... So anyway, one of the reasons I'm really excited about talking to people about how it happened is because at the time, I would have loved to have... You, you're going to tell me how you found it? Tell me how you had found it. And that doesn't mean the way you found it is going to be my answer. But similarly to how you talk about how, tell, how we tell our stories and people... And it, it touches people, right? It touches truths in them. It lets them know, oh, well, maybe if they did it that way, maybe I can do it that way. Or it touches something them that gives them some new information. So I'm curious if you um, felt ever like, well, I don't know what, you know, did you ever feel like you didn't know what you were supposed to be doing? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think that um, early in my recovery, and this is, this, you know, for the first four or five years, in recovery, I, I didn't tell anybody that I was in recovery other than if me and you saw each other at a meeting or, or something like that. Um, and I think during that process, I, I, you know, in active addiction, I had two separate lives. You know, I'd have the life I put on for my parents and the cops and the lawyers and, and that kind of face. And then I'd have my active addiction, you know, existence. And then I got into recovery and I still had two separate lives where I, I was living, um, this private recovery life and, and going to work every day in a media production house, not telling anybody about my recovery. And it wasn't until I got invited to speak at a couple places and I met some people who were part of this recovery movement, this public recovery movement, where it really started to uh, blend my identity um, as a person in recovery and, and help shape that for me. Um, and that's sort of when I, found that passion organically where somebody kind of turned on a light switch for me and said, you know, 
you don't have to live like this anymore. The same way somebody did in recovery, you know, somebody turned out, and, and if you, if, if you don't live this way, then you have a unique power to help other people um, at the societal level, you know, because I was burying friends from overdoses. I was getting denied, you know, being able to drop people off at detoxes because of health insurance discrimination. I was writing letters to friends in jail that had no business being in jail. And, you know, I was paying taxes and not really loving what my government was doing with that money. And, and so I got kind of angry at sort of the system around addiction. And, and so this group of people, this movement really lit a fire under me and, and unlocked the key to, to the power that, that we have as American citizens, you know, take, take recovery out of it, just, you know, and, and what we're passionate, what our story is. And so public policy and um, that really became a, a really strong interest of mine and, and sort of empowering others to, to affect change and social change. Um, and that was when I was able to unite my recovery experience and sort of my anger towards the, uh, the existing system because advocacy is about anger. And, uh, and so, yeah. He says with such a nice smile. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, it's Stacia Murphy says that it's not my line, but she says advocacy is about anger. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things with, with this film that, that I uncovered is, is the lack of anger from the recovery community, which, which is really sad, I think, for, for me and, and, you know, some of the challenges with getting this film out is, is we are happy-go-lucky people at a new shot at life. And, and for me, you know, the only way I get to have this life is to make sure other people have that opportunity and not that not as many people that are in need are getting that opportunity. And, and we have a power to change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you, when you got angry... It's because it is, I am talking about like, well, what lights you up? What, what makes you feel like you want to get out of it? So anger, right? I love it. I haven't heard anyone say anger made me want to get up and do something. So, um, how did you like, how did that unfold? And can you talk a little bit more so that if somebody else is angry about something, they'll go, Hmm, what can I do with this? Well, well, yeah. And and I think anger and hope, I mean, I think a lot of us, I think it's marrying anger with hope. And, and so I think that what gets me angry is, is, is learning more about addiction um, and learning that I wasn't the only adolescent kid who got addicted, but that this is the leading cause of death of young people under 30, that there are over 23 million Americans in recovery and there's 20 million who are still suffering, learning that it's the least funded health issue in this country. You know, um, we build probably uh, since the 1980s, we've built, you know, four or five times the amount of prisons and we have treatment programs. I mean, just like these really global thoughts about how we deal with this and how that perpetuates shame, you know, in, in my own shame around this, because society is ashamed of people with addiction. And this is how we deal with people who are ashamed of, we discriminate against them. And, and so really looking at the barriers of recovery and, and, you know, trying to help other people find recovery and, and just hitting wall after wall. They can't get jobs. They can't get go to school. They can't get health insurance. Like, I mean, just looking at all the massive barriers to, to getting housing, we, we can't get people into recovery if, if they don't have some basic needs. And, and I think that that's really what fired me up is trying to help people and hitting the roadblocks, our system roadblocks, and, and not understanding why there aren't other people angry, right? And so... 
I started talking to these people in this movement that are featured in this film and, and, and they had been doing work on this advocacy front for some time and, and not getting as far as I think they should have with a civil rights movement. I mean, I think this is really our next civil rights movement in this country and thinking about how to help them engage more people in, into this movement, into this civil rights, social justice movement. And part of that was bringing, bringing the anger out for, for the recovery community um, and tapping into that emotion. And, and, and if I was angry, I couldn't have been the only one. And I know that, you know, from anecdotal evidence, but I know other people out there are pissed off at the system that we have. And, and so if people are pissed off, then there are tools and there, there are ways that we can use that and channel that anger collectively and and change the system. Um, So cool. Could you, could you walk it through how, how, because now you're a filmmaker. Now you've got like this fire. You had you had this fire, right? It started stoking, and then you found out more, and then you kind of had some other information, and you've got this passion, and you have these talents, and then now you, you know it looks like oh that guy's a documentary filmmaker. Well, how'd that happen? <laughs> well, the reality anger at the uh, reality TV business. Um, you know they didn't want to tell recovery stories, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But. I, I wanted to tell these recovery stories and, and, and one of these stories that really fired me up was, was this recovery movement story, this story, not the individual recovery story, which is amazing. And and I think more people need to tell that story. And, And I did tell that story a lot in short films, but sort of the, the, the global story and the, and the social movement story and, and some of these people that were part of this movement. And, and so I said, you know, I started writing foundations and I said, you know, I really think that this needs to be a documentary and, and here's the treatment and all this stuff. And I couldn't get any grants as a first time filmmaker and, and, you know, just not giving up. It's that old cliche of just like, you gotta have thick skin. Cause, cause if you don't have thick skin, you know, uh, the first door that closes in your face, you're going to give up. And, and I do think for any artist, it's, it's very similar. I mean, for other jobs and other careers, it's certainly similar, but definitely in the arts, it's, it's so hard to break in and, and establish yourself as an artist and a credible one. And, um, and so funding, I mean, funding is the, I mean, making a documentary film is not cheap and, and it's so hard to do. And so I ended up just saying, I know I have access. I have, I have the access. I have the credibility that I needed as a filmmaker to tell the story that I needed. And that's the mo- as a documentary filmmaker, access is the, the most important ingredient, the, the, the type of camera and, the filmmaking tendencies is sort of secondary, but getting that access to the story that you want to tell is, is the most important. So I worked for three years and I, and I got that access. And, and then ultimately I said, I, I know these people are going to give me powerful interviews and tell a powerful story. You know, I'm just going to go out and, and that's, I took a business loan out and um, put it all on the line and, and thought I created this promo that I thought was, that looks a lot like the Kickstarter video that I thought the mainstream media was going to be very interested in. And, um, you know, they don't really like to be criticized, I guess, in terms of their depiction of addiction. Um, and so they didn't really like the way I was trying to approach the story. And I, um, Kickstarter came, was going off for a lot of other people. And I said, well, I know there's a community out there who wants this film. And, 
And so I threw it up there on Kickstarter and I threw a dart at the wall and, and the recovery community really came together and helped fund this film. And I'm so grateful that this is a community film. It's not really just a Greg Williams film. Um, I certainly couldn't have done this without hundreds and hundreds of other people supporting not only just in spirit, but financially, um, the backing of the film. And then I was able to find foundation grants and I don't know. I mean, I had an amazing editor and camera crew and, and so, you know, great talent around and, and that's sort of how the story of the film started to make, but it all started with an idea and a story and, um, and access. Did you ever feel, um, like giving up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> there's times now that the film's out there and I'm like, you know, it's, no one's going to care. No one's going to watch it. And, and, uh, you know, and, you know, there's definitely those, those ongoing doubts. You have every day you get a good news email and a bad news email and maybe 10 bad news emails and one good news email. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant, uh, struggle to, to, to not want to give up and not want to quit because, this is not a, about the money, you know, documentary filmmaking is, you don't make anything. And, um, you know, I'm totally broke, totally in debt with it. And just, you know, it's about the story. It's about, you know, um, empowering other people. And then you go to a screening of the film now and, and you watch the light bulb go on for, for the audience and, and you, people write in and, and, you know, just being able to put something together that unlocks the key for some people in their life and, and empowers them to maybe think differently about their power as a recovering person. It's really, you know, gratifying and humbling at the same time and, and thrilling. I mean, that the response that we're getting from it is, is makes it all worth it, but it, it was two and a half years and certainly uh, many times uh, felt like giving up. Yeah. Um, that's the message I got from it. I just when I when I watched the trailer, I think I think you'd already raised all your money on the Kickstarter, and I just somehow found it, and I was like, I want to give him money. Go, go, do this thing, <laughs> um, because I just heard that there was this power that we have, um, and it made me really hopeful and excited. So I, I love what you're doing, um, and I know I know you know it's it's ruffling some feathers, and I also hear where your heart is with it, and I just I I really believe in it too. I really believe in what you're trying to do. Um, what would you say to people, you know, cause you know, lots of people in recovery and you know that, um, there's people who are seeking still, you know, looking for that thing because, you know, we get, we get into recovery and then it's like, okay, now what do you want to do with your life? It's, it's not all about just, oh, now I'm just going to like not drink or not you. It's like, no, now what? Right. So there are people who find it or who had it already and just like it just like blossomed and they knew what it was. But if someone were in that place where they're wondering, oh, what, what is my thing? How do I find my thing? What would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, my thing, you know, from personal experience, I mean, going back a little bit to what I was excited about uh, as a teenager before I picked up drugs and alcohol is still sort of my thing wow. today. Um, and I think a lot of my experience working with other people in recovery People, they draw, they write poetry, they sing, they, um, they like sports, they, you know, whatever, uh, you know, we are definitely an artistic group of people generally. Um, and so, you know, some, 
often, you know, looking back to, to what your hopes and dreams were at eight, nine, ten, you know, I know some people start using it that age, so maybe you have to look at five, six, seven, but, but, you know, what were you excited about back then, I think has definitely been a barometer and indicator of, you know, who I was meant to be or who I had set out or started to evolve and grow into, um, you know, definitely came full circle for me. And, and then the other piece, you know, don't plateau. I mean, I think, you know, so many people, um, myself included, have gone through years of my recovery where I was just, I plateaued and, and didn't expand the horizons, you know. Um, you know, I didn't go to an, uh, another conference or I didn't read another book or I didn't want to look at a different pathway to recovery or I didn't want to look at a different pathway to spirituality or, or, or whatever it is. I mean, I just think that there are so many outlets out there and so many people sharing amazing um, ideas and passions. And, and so the more you read, the more you listen, the more you watch, um, I think can definitely light that fire for people uh, as well. So, so definitely if you feel stale, you know, pick up a book by a new author, watch a film by a different filmmaker, um, you know, use the arts to tap into uh, what other people are excited about and maybe you'll find something. That's cool. I like the way you said that. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd want to say? Well, I just, I would like, I would love people to, to want to check out, um, the anonymous people. And, and if they, if that lights their fire, I mean, I think that this film is lighting a fire for a lot of people. And, and this movement has lit a fire for a great number of people in recovery. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people in recovery who feel very purpose full about wanting to give back and wanting to help uh, people in a bigger way maybe than they are able to on, on an individual one-on-one -on -one basis. So, so I hope that people will check out the film, check out manyfacesonevoice.org, you know, see what this recovery advocacy movement's all about. And, and if it's for you, you know, join us and, and you know, save some lives and, and hopefully our kids and the next generation won't grow up in, in a pitiful system that, that deals with addiction like a criminal justice issue and, and will have a, a different opportunity uh, for future generations at recovery um, because it is the best kept secret on this planet. And I think recovery um, is the most powerful thing that, that I've ever experienced as a human being and the spirituality and the human connection around it. And, and it is certainly a gift that needs to be shared much at a much wider level, not by, not by individuals on pedestals, but by millions of people in recovery collectively. And I want people to realize that because I know that people worry about, you know, the, the ego and, and the pedestals and the individuals. And, and this is about 23 million Americans, millions of people across the globe. Um, this thing is big. And, and together we can share that, that amazing gift with other people. Cool. Oh, I get goosebumps when you say, <laughs> say all that stuff. Thank you so much for what you're doing, Greg. And thanks for talking to me today. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Bye. Take care. To get in touch with Greg, go to manyfacesonevoice.org. To get in touch with me, check out my website at yourrecoveredlife.com. And if you have a true story to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a note to Courtney at yourrecoveredlife.com. And thanks for listening.